We're talking about how that healing belongs to us. And this is week four in this series. We've spent the last three weeks talking about healing in the atonement. I want to continue to go along those lines. And really what we're talking about is how that God never changes. Jesus, just as much as he died for your sin, in the same way he died for your sickness and disease. Right? It's the same. It's all in the atonement. And uh, we're going to go a little deeper tonight in some of the scriptures we've gone a little further on. You know, one of the things the Lord seems to do with me is we will have, we'll have a, a scripture that we go through, and I will highlight a couple things about that scripture. And then God will come back around and have me preach on that scripture reference again, but he'll say a couple other things about it. So we're going to kind of do that. So that's why, you know, taking notes, listening to these messages, outlining them will help you and equip you. So anyway, Old Testament, let me, let me just kind of step back and I, I want to kind of give you just a little lesson that will help you understand your Bible. Because we're, we're talking about healing and the atonement, we're even looking back to the Old Testament See, a lot of people will think, well, God was one way in the Old Testament and another way in the New Testament, but the Bible says he never changes. Doctrine has to fit from Genesis all the way to maps. It has to fit Old and New Testament. So we have to know some things just about the history of the Hebrew language. The Old Testament was penned in Hebrew. Now, what happened is the children of Israel went into Babylonian captivity, right? They were taken captive. They went in there. After that, they went into Assyrian captivity. And after all those years of coming out of that, only really the Orthodox Jewish leaders, very few of them, they could still read and speak Hebrew. The Hebrew language, though, which was the language of the people, pretty much was, that was no longer the language of the people. So what happened now is the Greek language is what they were speaking. Like Jesus, he spoke Aramaic, which was a form of the Greek language. But what happened and we don't know, I mean, there's ideas that theologians have. We don't really know when, but 70 rabbis got together and they said, we need to translate the Hebrew scriptures into Greek for the people. And so the Septuagint, it's, it's called the Septuagint. 70 rabbis, the word Septuagint means 70. So 70 rabbis who knew Hebrew translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek, and that was literally the scriptures of the day of Jesus. Now we know, we don't know when they started doing this, we know though that by 132 BC, I mean literally about 130 years or 129 years before Jesus was born, this was completed. So what's nice about that is we have all those years, it comes right up to right before Jesus' day, that we can know what the Hebrew Scriptures say. Most New Testament writers, whenever they would reference the Old Testament, probably pretty much every one of them except Paul, because Paul spoke Hebrew. They would reference the Septuagint. Jesus always referenced the Septuagint. Okay, so this, this, is, this is important for you to know that. So, what, well, I'll say this. You know, we're, we're, we're living in these final days of the church. So the Hebrew language was all but lost. One end time prophecy, another reason why we know we're at the end, is for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the Hebrew language was lost, but you know, if you go to Israel now, today, guess what they're speaking? Hebrew. The Hebrew language, probably anywhere from 60 to 75 years ago, has been restored now. That was an end time. They said right before Messiah would come, 
literally, now, now they, they're going to pick the Antichrist as their Messiah. But one of the end time prophecies, right before Jesus would return, as we know it, for the, for, for the church, Hebrew language would be restored. That's one of those end time signs that we have. So, the King Jimmy version, the King James version, one of the reasons why I like it is it is a Hebrew to English transliteration. So it's a word-for-word translation. And what's nice is I'm not a Hebrew or a Greek scholar, but I don't need to be with the tools that we have today. You know, we could look at these Hebrew words. I mean, you know, you could have a little app and you hit a button and it tells you everywhere that that word's used and what that word means and all this stuff. It's wonderful. And that's why I, you know, my foundation is the King James. Now, I grew up with the King James and people go, man, you know, you could hardly read it. You know, when a lot of people read, they really work on reading faster. But I've spent my life learning how to read slow. I always try to slow myself down. And the King James translation with that Elizabethan English, it's kind of crazy a little sometimes, but it helps me because I could get in there and I could look at, at these words. The reason why I'm saying that is as we go through these scriptures, we can really see when a translation like the King James Every translation stands on the translator's knowledge of the language, but it also stands on their beliefs about who God was or who God is. So having said that now, turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 in verse 6. Malachi chapter 3 in verse 6. The children of Israel, the context of this is once again, the children of Israel have all kinds of junk going on in their lives. They're suffering loss because the curse is once again on them. Why was it on them? Because they were once again disobeying what God said. So the whole Old Testament is a story of God pretty much just going, please, just do what I say, I've cut covenant, and you could live under this protection. You could be protected from the curse of the law. And the whole Old Testament is, as soon as they would do that, they, they would do what God says, and man, they would start being blessed and increased. They couldn't be conquered, but then they would start going after other gods. They would do this and do that. Pretty soon, God is like, what are you doing? He'd send prophets to try to warn them to come back. They'd kill the prophets and all this stuff, and eventually, here we go, God is the righteous judge of all the earth. He would have to render judgment that allowed the enemy access, and that's and here we go again. Then he starts suffering loss and all this stuff. And then they would turn as soon as they would turn to the Lord, the Lord would come and he'd heal and he'd move. They'd start increasing again. And and the, the whole Old Testament's a story about that. Well, this is what was happening. God was saying, Here I am, you know, I've told you, you're robbing me. He didn't even say you're stealing from me. You know, when if you're stolen from if somebody's stealing from you, it means that they're breaking in your house while you're here at church. You're not home, and they take something. But being robbed is a whole different story. They bust down your front door. They hold a gun to your head and say, I'm taking your stuff. God uses the word rob. He says, guys, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. And now, as an Old Testament believer, you're cursed with a curse. But they were murmuring against, uh, towards God about this. Why, because of why all these things were happening to them. And then God makes this statement. He says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob, are not consumed. So you could go back and read the context of this, but God was literally telling them that the only thing that is keeping you guys from being completely consumed is that I don't change. And I made a promise to Abraham, and now 
I'm keeping that promise. That's the only reason why you guys are even going to make it is because I don't change. They're murmuring to him, God, you know, I mean, they're a lot like the modern day church, blaming God. Why, God, I'm mad at you. That is stupidity beyond anything I've ever heard before. Do you think possibly maybe you're not seeing it right? Why are you blaming God? Do you know in heaven you're going to see believers walking around going, oh, oh, that, oh yeah, that makes total sense. There's not going to be anybody walking around heaven going, you know, I'm here, but man, I can't believe he allowed that to happen in my life. No, no, you'll never hear that there, right? But here they are murmuring, and God's like, guys, the only reason why you didn't get taken out completely is because I don't change. And I promised Abraham, and that's why you're not consumed. Wow. God's unchanging nature is what is keeping them alive. And I'm here to tell you tonight, he is a healer. He's always been a healer. He'll always be a healer. Because why? Because he spoke it. He said, I sent my word and healed you. And that is forever settled in heaven. We see this again, Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. Go over there, jump over there real quick. Numbers 23... Book of Numbers, verse, chapter 23, verse 19. It says this, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. That word repent means to change. The word repentance means to change your mind, your will, and your purpose. God says, I never change my mind, my will, and my purpose. So many believers believe that God changed because of something they did. And now God's going to withhold. But God's saying, no, I'm not a man that I'll ever lie to you. Neither am I the son of man. I'll never, ever, ever repent. I'll never change. Right? It goes on to say, hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? The answer to those questions is yes, he will. Do you know he said to you that Jesus bore your sickness and carried your pain? He said that with his stripes you were healed. He said in Psalm 107.20, that he sent his word and healed you. He said in Psalm 103, some of these scriptures we went through last week, I think. I was flowing. I don't have any notes. I haven't had time to go back and look. But Psalm 103, he heals how many of your diseases? All of them. And he doesn't change. In, in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 2, it reads like this. Pastor Titus Man, I love that guy. He's the Terminator pastor. If there were some places to go that maybe weren't so tough, okay, Timothy, I'm going to send you over here. But if there's some, I mean, okay, you're planting a church at the gates of hell. Titus is like, I'm your guy. He's sending Titus. But look at what Titus said. He said, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Not only will he not lie, he can't lie. He is truth. In other words, it is true. Why? Because God said it. Right? Say this with me. His word is true because he said it. Do you know the Bible says his word is forever settled in heaven? He says that I will literally submit to my word. I will watch over my word to perform it. He said his word will never come back void. Have you been believing God for something for a while? And maybe it seems like it's never going to happen. Well, maybe you might have let some things go. Just pick them back up. 
The same word that you believed in a service 10 years ago where you were stirred that maybe you let go of, just pick it back up. It's got as much power in it today. It's just as much yours. I love that. But here is a big reason why people do not receive from God because they are unwilling to change. He does not change. Therefore, we must make those adjustments to line up with him. In Mark chapter 16, I'll read this to you. And so you can see, you can see the translators in this. Mark chapter 16, the great uh, commission scripture, right? I love this. And you could kind of see the human touch here. It says in verse 20 of chapter 16 of Mark, it says, and they went forth and preached everywhere, comma, the Lord working with them. They added the word them. It's not in the original language. The Lord working with them. Do you know tonight I'm your pastor? But do you know God is not working with me tonight? As a matter of fact, God has never worked with me. And God never will work with me. But I'm so happy to tell you, I work with him. Right? I flow with him. The goal of tonight is that you get nothing from Tony, that you get everything from Jesus. Amen? Amen? Because he is life. Working with them and confirming the word with signs following. No, 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 no. Let's read what this really says in the Greek. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming his word with signs following. Who does God work with? He works with his word. So he's working with his word. So if you'll just work with his word, you'll walk in everything his word says. This is huge. So, so this, is, this is, we have to get this right. God loves you tonight. And he has said some things over you that are absolutely wonderful. He has no plans for you to ever, ever, ever be taken out, your life shortened. He has no plans for you to be in pain. He has no plans for you to be sick. He has no plans for you to be addicted to anything. No plans at all. So if you'll just side with him and allow yourself to make those changes to line up with him, oh man, will it start working for you. The word works. So now I, we went, we, I, I believe we went into this scripture a lot last week. I want to go into it a little bit more. And it's Exodus chapter 15 in verse 26. Exodus chapter 16, verse 26. You guys doing Okay. He is your healer. So here we have the children of Israel. They eat the Passover lamb, right, in, in Egypt. And the next day, they leave Egypt with a great spoil, with great wealth. And it says there was not one feeble among them. So they ate the Passover lamb. Then they applied the blood to the doorpost. They not only had the blood in their house, but they had the blood out of their house. They, the, instead of applying the blood with hyssop, we don't do that now. We apply the blood outwardly with our mouth. Right? So we talked about that, I believe, Sunday. So here they are. They eat this Passover lamb. And now, if you study and read about the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, you will see that they were slaves. There was many people that were feeble. We're talking missing body parts, sick, weak. But it says when they came out after eating the Passover lamb, there's no sickness. It actually says that the Passover lamb was to strengthen them for their journey. It was to strengthen them for their 11-day journey to the promised land, which because of their unbelief ended up being 40 years. 
if you want your children to know God the way you know God. Now, listen, you can do this, and they still might not choose that right away, but ultimately they will, because at least they'll have a picture of it. If you look, they've done studies on this, and they say this. Man, I'll tell you, in all the youth ministry, this thing jumps out at me like nothing else. They say that you could, t- you could read the Bible with your kids. You could tell them about God. You could get them in church. But if you as a parent do not live it before them, they will not know God. That's where the children of Israel were. This generation did not know God. They were in Egypt. They were slaves, and their parents never taught them about God. Right? So know that, parents. It's never too late. Now, now, well, I should say this. If you have grown children that are out of the house, what do you do? God redeems the time. So you start living for God. Stop this nonsense about, oh, my kids are coming to visit, so I can't go to church because we want to go out for breakfast at 11 o'clock. Because when you go out to breakfast at 11 o'clock, what you're teaching your kids who don't know God is that breakfast with them is more important than God. And you wonder why they don't ever go to church because... Is that, is that okay to say that? I already said it, that's right. Well, I wouldn't say it if I didn't love you. I could feel that. I mean, I could kind of feel, I don't... Ugh. That's Okay. But this is where these guys were at. The children of Israel, this generation was lost in the wilderness. So now they come out. They see the Red Sea part. They see the, I mean, could you imagine when you're going home tonight, all of a sudden, a pillar of fire is going before you. You'd you'd be calling everybody. I mean, you'd be driving down the street. Honey, can I use your phone for a second? You'll be driving down the street. Channel 6, check this out. Look at this. I mean, you'd be like, wow, right? But they saw miracle after miracle. And then here they come to the waters of Marah. They're thirsty. In other words, their flesh is speaking to them. And the water, they say, is bitter, Some translations will say it was poisonous. We don't know for sure. But it was definitely bitter. So then Moses, you know, they're murmuring. Moses Moses throws a tree in the water. And you know, the waters of Marah to this day are sweet waters. The tree is a type of the cross. Jesus on the cross, the, the water is, anytime you see water and it doesn't mention a certain body of water, In the New Testament, in the book of Revelations, it's an ocean of people. In the Old Testament, it's a type of Jesus being thrown into humanity, and he brought life. But anyway, so now they had water to drink, and this is what's happening up to this point. And God said to them, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and his statutes. In other words, New Testament. This is, how we, this is how it reads under the light of New Testament truth. If you will put my word first and be a doer of it. Then it says this. I, I, will put... None of the diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. Now the problem with all those eyes is the first two is not in the original language. It's really kind of interesting. So here's where we're at. We're at the waters of Merah, or Mara, and the first thing that God does, it's the first time that he reveals himself to the children of Israel after coming out of Egypt, and the first thing he reveals himself to them, he says, I am the Lord that heals you. 
The Amplified says, I am the Lord who heals you. The CEV translation says, I am the Lord your God. I cure your diseases. The New American Standard Bible says, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Young's Literal says, for I, Jehovah, am healing you. And that is a very accurate. Dr. Young was a Hebrew and Greek scholar. But he reveals himself as the healer. And you've got to ask yourself, time out. God, you're revealing yourself as a healer. We just want some water. We just need water. But God never deals with symptoms. He deals with the real issue. And as we said last week, that's, that's that redemptive name. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the self-existent, eternal one that cures you, that mends you. I am your great physician. I'm the one that heals you. He reveals himself that way to them. So now let's look at verse 25. Verse 25, Exodus 15, 25. And he cried unto the Lord, and, the, and now so Moses is crying unto the Lord because the people are murmuring about not having water. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made, now look at this, after that event, there he, talking about God, made for them a statute and an ordinance. So God said, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you a rule, or actually probably closer, I'm gonna make you a law. I'm going to give you a law. And there he proved them. I'm going to make you a law. In Numbers chapter 14, you could just write this down. We see another place where God did the same thing. Numbers 14, 28, he said, this is when the children of Israel were murmuring. We can't go into the promised land. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough, right? All this stuff. He said this unto them. He said, and he said, he told Moses, say to the people, say unto them, as truly as I live. This statement is God saying, I, this is called an oracle of God. This is a never-ending law of God. This means what God is about to say will not only operate while you're on the earth but this will operate all through eternity it's an oracle of god and he says whatever you speak in my ears is what i'm going to allow in your life that's going to that that's going to be a law for eternity but god going back to exodus he's he's making a law I'm, i he made for them a statue and an and an ordinance so now let's look at verse 26 of Exodus again. Exodus 15, 26. And here it goes. This is the law. This is the ordinance that God made for them. If you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes... This word I is, in this verse, there is only one personal pronoun, I, and it's at the end. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. The other two I's were added. So these, these words will put, the translators are like, well, it must be God putting. And that's where we get into the Hebrew tenses. We'll put. Is God putting? Is he putting sickness on the Egyptians and, and, and will we'll, we'll not put sickness on you if you do what I say? No, no. It's in, the, it's in the permissive tense. So it means to allow. In other words, we could read it, you know, I will not allow... I won't allow these diseases that came on the Egyptians to come on you. 
That's the way it would literally read. But the law is this. Put my word first and be a doer of it. Okay, that's the New Testament. That's for us tonight. Right? So literally, if you look at this verse 26, it would read like this. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, this is the way it would read in the literal Hebrew. Or it would read in the Greek Septuagint, same way. He said, none of the diseases which have come upon the Egyptians will come upon you. There's no I. Do you see how that I has messed people up? People are like, well, see, God doesn't always heal because look in the Old Testament, it's saying he's putting sickness on people. Well, the question is, let's look at the aerial view. Tell me where God's going to get sickness. Right? There's no, he doesn't have it. He's not the destroyer. We just read a little while ago that he stopped the destroyer. Remember that? He said, you put the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, and when the destroyer comes, I will come and I'll cover that door and won't allow him to come. Just in the same way that you plead the blood over your life, and when the enemy's coming, he just covers you. That's Bible. Right? So this is big. God, what he's doing here is he is looking back to the Passover meal that was to be the strength of their journey. This what Their Passover meal was not that, that long ago. In Psalm 105, verse 37, it says this. Psalm 105, verse 37, you don't have to turn there, because stay here in Exodus. But it says, he brought them forth also with silver and gold when they came out of Egypt. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. But now where it it says in Exodus, for I am the Lord that healeth you. It's real interesting. There's different tenses that are available in the Greek Septuagint or the Hebrew language. There's different tenses, but they are not used here. So in reality, you, can, you literally can't tell how to translate this because every one of these ways work. And God did this on purpose. It could read this way. For I, Jehovah, am healing you. For I, Jehovah, will heal you. For I, Jehovah, did heal you. It could, it could literally read all of those ways. Now, if there were different Hebrew words or that were translated into Greek that used some of the tenses, it would have had to pick one of those. But God wanted you to know, I am the God that did heal you, I am the God that is healing you, and I'm the God that will always heal you. Amen. Because I don't ever change. Isn't that good news? God is saying here in context with this verse, I am the one that healed you at the Passover meal and I am the one who is now and and forever will be your healer. That's literally what he's saying to these people. He's saying, hey, listen, guys, do you remember 11 days ago when you came out of Egypt? Do you remember that every... Do you remember... Grandpa, who had, he had a hand missing because it was crushed by a rock and the hand grew back. Do you remember all the, all the older people that, that their knees and their back were completely wore out and they walked out of Egypt? It's so funny that Hollywood made a movie was Charlton Heston, right? The great famous scene of the movie of Moses bringing the children of Israel out, it shows this little guy that looks like he's about to die of starvation and he's going like this. No, that's not how it was. Every one of them, they were walking out, man. There wasn't one feeble among them. Why? Because they ate the Passover meal and God is not only the one who did heal them, now they're at the waters of Marah and he's saying once again, listen guys, 
as you go on your journey, remember, I'm the one who did heal you. I am your healer, and I always will be your healer. And that has echoed all the way to 2021, all the way around the globe. Doesn't matter. There is a healing power available in the earth that can stop anything, that'll heal your body tonight. This is truth. This is the word of God. So now we jump over to Exodus 23. Exodus 23, verse 25. Exodus 23, 25. And here's a real key. It says, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless. Have you ever, have you ever prayed this when you, when you pray over your food? Lord, we just thank you for blessing our bread and water and taking sickness from our midst. That's where it came from, right here. But we need to read the whole verse. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water. And then he gets real personal. He finishes it up. and he, then he, I mean, you can just tell God. Wait till you see God. When he talks, he gets more excited. <laughs> you shall serve the Lord your God. Now remember, this is the word of God. That means it's true. It'll never not come to pass because he said it. He says, and he'll bless your bread and your water. And then he gets all excited and he says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Now, here's an interesting thing. And I'm telling you, this will make you shout. This will birth a life of worship in you because the Hebrew word or the Greek word in the Septuagint that's translated here in the English, serve, means to worship. I'm telling you, Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. As we walk by faith, I'm telling you, walking by faith is a life of worship. You want God to bless your food and take sickness from your midst? Live a life of worship. This is a truth. Man, if you have any kind of symptoms in your body at all, start taking communion every day. And when you take it, worship God. Father, I thank you that this bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for me. He bore my sickness and carried my pain so I don't have to. And I thank you and I worship you that I de- and I declare in worship that I am healed. Amen. That's your whole life. And it says, and he'll take sickness away from the midst of you. This is literally a scripture for people who have symptoms. God is saying here, this is the Tony Finley condensed version. It's real simple. I like simple, right? He's saying here is the way to health. You'll worship the Lord your God and he'll bless your bread. Why? Because because he's an egomaniac and he's like, man, if you just lift me up and make me, then I'll do this. No, 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 no. It positions you to receive what he's already done. Everything God does is for you and I. It's not for him. He is, he's the self-existent one. In his presence is fullness of joy. He doesn't need Tony worshiping him to feel better about himself. But what makes him excited is when Tony will worship him and he's able to get everything over to him that he's already provided. Do you see that? Wow. If you will worship me, I will bless what you eat and the sickness will be taken from you. Man, you could eat your way to health which forever, it forever lays the principle that you don't have to eat Brussels sprouts to be healthy. <laughs> you worship your way to health. You could have your Brussels sprouts. I'm just going to worship, right? Amen, I had to say that. That just, came, that just came right out of my spirit. I just felt... 
So now go to Psalm 107. We always quote verse 20, but we never quote verse 17, 18, and 19. And we need to to get the full impact of verse 20. You guys doing okay? I'm telling you, these nights, bring people. We are going to go through, I mean, do you see how God just opens his word? Makes it so simple. Man, I'm, I'm just, he wants to eradicate sickness and disease from your life. Eradicate it. Psalm 107, verse 17. It says, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. We don't like to read that, but that could bring some stuff on you. Doesn't mean that if you're sick or afflicted that it's because you're in sin. But it does give you a really good reason to not go there. Listen, Satan doesn't care. He'll still attack your body anyway. But we know, we know we have authority, so you know how to keep him from that. We know how to plead the blood. We know, we know these things. It says, Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. What this is talking about in context is their soul is abhorring the word of God. And because they're, 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 not, they're not cherishing this, they're abhorring it, it's drawing their life to the gates of death. In other words, this sickness is getting critical. Because if sickness takes you to the gates of death, you're not far away from meeting Jesus. So this is telling us in the word of God, listen, this is your word. Remember, this is the context that is setting you up for verse 20, which says, he sent his word and healed you. But abhorring the word. So you've got a person now they're walking, they're doing their own thing, they're sinning, they're, they're violating the word of God, and they're, not, and they're just saying no to the word. I don't go to church, I'm not in the word, I don't meditate in the word, I do what I want to do, and I'm telling you, that could draw your life to the gates of death. That's what he's saying here. But look at verse 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. So now get this picture. God, I am going, I don't care what your word says. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm, I, that's just it. I don't, I don't care. And all of a sudden I get diagnosed with something. And it starts getting worse. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'll go to the doctor. I got a medicine. It's under control. But then it gets worse. And then it gets worse. And now all of a sudden the doctor's sitting across the table. John Patrick's going, you know, I'm really sorry. There's nothing in the natural we can do for you. Now, if you go to John, he'll go, however. His supervisors will go, okay, I got to get out of here. He's about to start preaching. But look at this. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. So this means you have blown it. You have done the wrong thing. You've slapped in the face of God. You don't care about his word. And right at the worst possible moment, you do what? You cry unto the Lord in your trouble. And he says, too bad. Nope. And he saves them. I just get warm fuzzies. I don't know about you. Man, I've messed up. I, see, it's not like the devil made me do it. No, no. We know. We choose this stuff. But even if you've chosen wrong, Man, I've chosen to drink and take drugs until my liver's destroyed, until my kidneys don't work, until my brain's not working right. I've done things wrong. I've sinned. It's opened the door to the enemy. And now here he comes, and I've got some things going on. I've got good news for you. Because remember, your healing is not because you're all that. And it's not because you're not all that. 
It's because he's all that and he already paid. Once again, we see the word of God saying, listen, guys, but what do people do? Have you ever talked to people? I led one guy to the Lord, big biker guy, in hospice, on his deathbed. He told everybody, I'm an atheist, don't want to hear about God. His very precious little daughter started coming to our church when we were in a school. She gets saved. And he's on his deathbed, and she loved her dad. I mean, this is a big dude, you know, just rough life. And she's like, she's like, Pastor, would you come see my dad? And I go, absolutely. I go, he's got to want it, though. But I go, but listen, when you get to the end of your life, your own views and all this stuff doesn't matter anymore. And so he, he, he said, listen, I, I want to talk to your pastor. And I went over there, and a lot of his buddies were not happy because I walk in, and he had, right before I got there, he regained consciousness, and he was totally conscious, totally alert, where he'd go out many times, you know? And, and so I, I asked, she told all of his friends, you got to leave. He needs 10 minutes. I got some kind of, I wasn't the most popular guy in that room right then, right? I was hoping, I was kind of wishing they had a metal detector when they, you know, at the, at the front of that hospice house, right? I'm like, okay, Lord, the angel of God encamps around about me to protect me, right? But anyway, we, I sat down with them. And I just said, listen, you're about to leave this earth, but God loves you. And you might have missed his plan in this life, but this life is nothing compared to the next life. And I, I just shared the gospel with him, and I said, so. I go, I'm here tonight. I go, I, I, go, I want to spend time with you in eternity. Your daughter wants to spend time with you in eternity. God's got a plan for your life. And Jesus paid everything. Do you want to accept him? And he's like, Yes. And I brought his daughter back in there, and we all prayed. He got saved, and he was gone the next day. At his funeral, this guy comes walking up to me. Biker-looking guy, but this guy's face was lit. And I'm like, this guy's a Christian. And at the VFW somewhere in Omaha, I don't even know, you know, directions are not my thing. If I pointed where it was at, it'd be in the opposite direction. But we're at this, <laughs> we, go, we go to this VFW, and this guy walks up to me, and he goes, you know, I was his best friend. And I've been a Christian for about 10 years. And I've witnessed to him numerous times. He goes, you know, he never was an atheist. But he would always tell me, he said, he said to his friend, I've done so many things that are so bad, God could never forgive me. So his facade was, I'm an atheist, don't mess with me. But behind it, but he cried to the Lord in his trouble. And now he's born again and he's in heaven. He's alive today. But I'm here to tell you somebody on their deathbed that lived their life the wrong way their whole life, if they will cry to the Lord in their trouble. And notice it says in their trouble, that means they caused it. Have you ever noticed it says come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy? You don't need mercy if you didn't do anything wrong. Oh, God loves us so much. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saves them out of, out of their distresses. Why? Because he sent his word and healed them from their destructions. Wow. This is God. This is God. So in the Old Testament, I'll close with this. Well, I could keep going. Man, I got like 19 more pages of notes. Well, not nine more pages and 10 more pages of notes. In the Old Testament, it was the promise of God through obedience to his word that always resulted in healing. In the New Testament, obedience to Jesus, who is the word made flesh, always results in healing. Obedience to his word. So you got to get this. You got to get this. So up to 823, 
on September 1st, 2021, you could have lived in disobedience your whole life. And if right now at 823, you decide, you know what? I'm changing my mind. And you call out to God. In whatever distress you're in, he will come and heal you, deliver you from all your destructions. I got to read one more scripture to you. We read it last week. This is not my fault. This is Chuck Dent's fault. Okay, so um, every time I read this scripture, you guys bless me so much. I have different scriptures for different people. But it says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalm 103.1. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Notice worship. Notice how worship is there. Worship is always before healing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases. Look at this, who redeems our lives from destruction. Literally, if you wanted to read this in the literal Hebrew, it would read like this. The one who is constantly redeeming you, redeeming your life from destruction and decay. He is, he was, he is, and he always will be your healer. And we're going we're gonna to scream this from the rooftops. And we're going to go from this place and we're going to tell everybody we meet. Because guys, time is short. And the world needs to know how good God is. But they can't know unless we know. So I hope you've got a picture tonight. His mercy is greater than your disobedience. Right? So stop beating yourself up. Give it all to him, turn to him, and receive his best for your life because he loves you. Amen.